This is Patrick Patterson, and you're listening to the NTTB Podcast. All right, all right, and we are back. This is episode 19 of the NTTB Podcast. Uh, we've been away for a while. Life has... You know, life kind of took over. Um, we were away for, you know, two weeks ago, um, Anthony was away, and then last week I was away. Uh, but we're back this week, we're back together, and we brought along some friends with us. So uh, we have Ryan Rivera from the OSC Podcast Network. What's going on, y'all? Appreciate you guys having me. And check out his stuff on YouTube, and then, of course, on the uh, the iTunes Podcast uh, Network. And we also have uh, T joining us, one of our good friends, one of our pre- pretty much our statistician. Yeah, he's been here for behind yeah, the scenes, here. but now he's getting on the mic this this time around. He's a little bit nervous, but he'll be good. Appreciate y'all letting me get on this <laughs> mic. <laughs> and you guys can follow him on Twitter at was it at M three T M three T yes sir. yeah and that T is a T E E right T double E yeah T double E so M three T double E so M three T go ahead and give him a follow over there um, but. Much has happened in the Thunder World in the two weeks that we have that we have gone. Uh, so we kind of want to go ahead and recap, not necessarily, you know, all the, the entire two weeks that we've been gone, uh, but just kind of look at the uh, the four game losing streak and then the Clippers game, and then maybe preview the uh, the Mavericks game. So just kind of going back to the four game losing streak that we had before the Clippers game. Um, Man, we, we have to say that we are on a four game losing streak. Yeah, that's and that's that's yeah. kind of sad that we that this team has got to say that we were on a four game losing. That is streak. a hard pill to swallow, Very especially so. when you look at some of the teams that we lost to. Yeah. Oh, I know, I know. And especially, you know, especially when you go back and you think about the predictions that we made as far as record wise, as far as things of that nature, it's not looking too good for the record as yeah. far as winning sixty games and you know it's just not looking that way. And, you know, as far as my prediction of uh, Paul George being the MVP, uh, we'll see, we'll see. Yeah, it's still very early. Still very early. So, and, and it's not un, it's not unprecedented. I mean, look at how the big three in Miami started out. How okay? So, how did they start out? I'm not 100 percent sure, but they did start out, I believe, below 500 so, after about ten, a handful of games. So I thought that they had started out two and six in the half full of games, but as I looked it up, they started out like um, two and four, and then they ended up at like five and four after after nine. Uh, but they had a rough start that first 2010 season where they all joined up together. But, but I think they eventually hooked it up, and they went off like well, almost 20 wins in a row at some point later on, wasn't it? No, that was, that was, that was the, the third, third year. That was the third year? Yeah, that was oh. the third year they were together. Well, they they, they, they won like 21 games in a row. So they did basically have what Oklahoma City just had, which is a team-only meeting, mm-hmm. um, kind of had an extended meeting, and then they just kind of figured LeBron would just put his stank on it and was like, yo, this, I'm, I'm going to take over, mm-hmm. and Dwayne, just, just follow me. And Bosch, you get in where you where you can fit in, and then that kind of transformed the Miami team into what we know it as now. Okay, so go ahead. So, so who's the LeBron in our deal right here? Uh, turn this around. See, that's, that's a good question. That's the problem. We don't have one yet. Yeah, we don't. We don't have. I mean, I I I think maybe after the, the Clippers analogy, game, not, not in the. I think maybe after the Clippers game, we got a a feel of what was needed, what this team needs, uh, especially with the big three moving forward. Um, but I don't think we necessarily have a a clear cut LeBron yet. Um, so just kind of looking back, so Boston, and the thing is, you can look at the Boston game, the Portland game, the Sacramento game, the Denver game. So the last three were on the road. The Boston game was at home. Um, but you can kind of look at them 
and see the same scenario play out almost every game to a T. So basically, we would get out, the Thunder would get out to a big lead in the first quarter, first half. And then at some point in the second quarter, leading into the second half of the game, the Thunder would go cold. So the offense would go cold, and they would hemorrhage points. And that's something that we, that we see as a pattern with this team, where when they go cold, the defense goes with it, and they start to hemorrhage um, points uh, to the opponent. And so, I mean, that was, more, that was probably most evident in the Sacramento game, where the Thunder came out, it was like a 10, it was like 10 to nothing, you know, and then the second quarter hit, and they could not hit anything, and Sacramento could hit everything. And they could never catch up after that. And this is Sacramento we're talking about. This is not, you know, this is not Boston who, even without Gordon Hayward, they're still a pretty good team. They're still a very good team. This is not Portland. This is not Denver um, who have players that can make shots. This is Sacramento that came into that game, I believe it was like 2-9 and nine or yeah, something like that. at this point seven. they were the worst team in the Western Conference. Yeah, they were the worst team in the Western Conference. And we, I know we only ended up losing to them by about 8 it felt like we should have lost by 20. Yeah, that's final how score bad was, it was 94 to 86. Yeah, that's how bad it was. It felt like we should have lost by 20. I think our star power kept us in the game, um, but it wasn't enough. This, it was funny is that we, a few podcasts ago, when we talked about trading for Carmelo Anthony and, uh, and uh, getting signing Paul George, we're like, oh, boom, our bench points problems has gone away. We've got two other guys that can come yeah. in with the second unit and keep the scoring alive, and Russell doesn't have to go out and, you know, every time he leaves the game, our, our lead diminishes, and that's exactly what's happened in this four-game. Not not by either one of theirs' faults. It's just mm. anytime, anytime after this, you know, start of the second quarter into the second half of the game, the just, they're just points just were going. It was like a lid on the bucket. And, and the thing is, in the four-game losing streak, what we saw was – the defense was not the problem. Oh no, the defense was great. The defense. The defense I mean, if you look great. at as 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 much as as far as points scored, I think we kept most of those teams under a hundred. I, I don't really have the scores in front of me, but I believe we kept most of those teams under a hundred. So Boston was one hundred one, Portland was one hundred three, Sacramento was ninety four, and uh, Dem- uh, the Nuggets were one hundred two. So we kept them under one hundred and five points. Yeah, we kept them under. And when you're talking about when you're talking about Denver and you're talking about um, Portland. Those are teams that can score at will. You're talking about Dame Lillard. You're talking about C.J. McCollum. Um, you're talking about Jokic. You're talking about um, Gary Harris and, and uh, Jamal Murray. Guys that can light it up pretty quickly, get hot very fast, and fill up the scoreboard pretty quickly. Um, Sacramento, though, they let Buddy Heald. They let De'Aaron Fox. They let, you know, who else was out there you know, scoring on us? Was it Zach Randolph? You know, Zebo, and I'm surprised they never put in Nick Collison in that game. But regardless, they let them get hot, and they could not stop them from there on in. And so offense was not the issue. Defense was okay. It kind of became an issue as far as the games went. But in, in the grand scheme of things, in, those, in that four-game losing streak, defense was not the issue. It was the offense. Um, and it was this thing with the big three where nobody necessarily wanted to take over. Um, you know, nobody necessarily, their roles, they're still feeling out their roles, but it's getting to the point now where it's, it's a little worrisome as far as them not knowing what their roles are going to be moving forward. Um, so after the Denver game, after the loss at Denver, they had a players only meeting, nothing too, you know, it wasn't closed door, everybody streaming at each other type meeting, 
It was just a players only meeting. Hey, let's go ahead and shore some, you know, shore some of these things. You know, the thing with players meetings is media is usually not there. So none of the big guys in the media could tell you what the hell happened in that players only meeting. But everybody came out of it basically preaching the same message. Okay. So we had, you know, fast forward to the Clippers game. And so they won the Clippers game. What was the score of the Clippers game? The final score for the Clippers game was 120 to 111. Yeah, 120 to 111. It was a little bit hairy there, like with like five minutes left. Um, but eventually the team kind of put the cap on the game, um, kind of held the Clippers scoreless, and they went on a little run, 8-0 run, and uh, eventually, you know, pulled out that win. Um, but this game, it kind of felt like a microcosm of the previous four games. It's just the result was different. And you got to understand, the Clippers came into this game, and yes, they have Blake Griffin, yes, they have DeAndre Jordan, but they were missing three or four of their main players. They were missing Patrick Beverly, yep. uh, Milos Teodosis. They were missing, uh, who else? Uh, Danilo Gallinari. Gallinari, yeah. And uh, Rivers got into foul trouble early in that game, so it's not like he was a big factor in that game either. And also, he, he might have been hampered. He, has, he suffered a sprained ankle, um, I guess, the day before or that day. Uh, during practice, so he might have been a little bit hampered also. And Blake didn't seem like he was himself. Uh, you know, he's trying to carry the team, but and he got his shots and he got his stuff in. But Blake has never had Blake has never had a great game in Oklahoma City. I don't know if that's a, a you know a, a hometown thing. Uh, it happens to some players sometimes. Like Kevin Durant would struggle sometimes when he went to Washington D.C. Uh, Russell would struggle sometimes when he went to L.A. Uh, so I don't know if that's a thing with him. But he's never had a great game here in Oklahoma City. Um, but the Thunder, again, defense did a great job containing the two players that you thought would go off um, against them. So Blake Griffin, 17 points, six rebounds, five assists. Uh, he was five of 19 from the field and one of seven from three. And then DeAndre Jordan, he had nine points, 12 rebounds, zero blocks. So as far as defensively, his impact defensively was not felt that much. Uh, he was four of eight and one of two on free throws. So as far as when you defend DeAndre Jordan, a lot of times you think, you know, you foul him a whole bunch of times. We only sent him to the foul line twice. And Steven Adams was out this game. Yeah. So we had Dakari, Dakari Johnson, Johnson got the start. Got the, you know, Dakari Johnson got the start. He played, I don't want to say great, but he played good. He played good considering he's a rookie and this is his first time in the starting lineup. Oh, yeah. Well, hell, first time on the court at all this season. But I was impressed by his defensive presence. Like, I, you know, we were watching the game. We were there at the game. He was telling people where to go. He was kind of fading into the lane, fading out of the lane. You know, he was, you know, sticking with, uh, w- with the perimeter guys when he had to and then coming back to DeAndre. Um, it was just a good showing by him. I was very impressed by him. I thought, you know, a lot of times in the, in the, in the preseason and during the two years that he was with the G League, you kind of saw this guy as kind of a slow plotter, kind of like a Kendrick Perkins. And we all know what happens to Kendrick Perkins in this new NBA. He's not in the NBA anymore. Um, So I kind of saw him as that, but he kind of impressed me as far as what he did out there on the court. So defensively, he looked pretty good. Um, Mm -hmm. He was there in all the right areas. And when he was out of position, he would huddle up with Russ and they would, you know, point it, point things out. He was, he was looking for direction and was getting it offensively. Um, like we had talked about, you know, when we were watching the game, uh, very doe-eyed at sometimes, mm-hmm. um, and just not ready for those passes that Stephen Adams, for the last four or five years, has been ready for, has been preparing yeah. for, from Russell Westbrook or guys driving into the lane. 
And part of the losing streak that I noticed and that we talked about offline is that uh, it's like these guys are overpassing. Mm-hmm. Like they're trying too much to be the that that good teammate that you have Russell Westbrook driving the lane and he clearly should lay it up yeah. and kicks it out to Paul George or Carmelo Anthony on the wing, um, trying to get them involved in the offense and you give up a sure thing of two points. Even that most of the time is not a sure thing, mm. you know, because you have fouls and you have guys trapping and sometimes he just, you know, this season he's a little bit off. Uh, when he's taking it up to the to the rim, sometimes it's, he's not yeah. getting that touch like he had last year. Um, and you give up a, a sure thing for a, a maybe a sure thing, a maybe a not sure thing, and kicking it out for the three. Yeah. Um, and I think we've been a three heavy. I think you know we've been so three deprived in the last couple of years that with these two guys that can consistently shoot three pointers at thirty seven percent, they're just kicking it out and just chucking threes. And you know, mm-hmm. and they're not bad looks. Sometimes they're just not going in early on. And uh, I just think we kind of finally got into a place where uh, we got it to the rim. We got the easy baskets. We we pump faked the three, stepped into the 17-footer, got that jump shot, and then started yeah. working our way back out. And all of a sudden, Paul George gets hot. And, you know, what do you do when somebody gets hot? You feed him the ball and get the hell out of his way. And that's what we did. Yeah, that's what we did that. So as far as, as far as Paul George, though, he had, you know, he had his best game as a member of the Thunder. He had 42 points. Nine rebounds, seven assists. He was thirteen to twenty-two from the field, four of seven uh, from three-point line, and probably the most important stat: he was twelve of fifteen from the free throw line, which is something that, when you look at this team, you look at three alpha scores, and one of the biggest things you want them to do is attack the rim, is attack the defense, get def- get uh, fouls called on them, you know, get into the uh, into the bonus early in the in the quarter, um, and just put that pressure on the defense. And they haven't been doing that lately. You know, they're as far as free throws per game, they're ranking in in the bottom ten, you know, the the bottom twenties as far as um, where they stack up in the league. Um, so again, so so George had a great game. Anthony had a subpar game, had a sub subdued game. I mean, let me not say subpar. He played his part. You know, he did a great job defending um, Blake Griffin at the beginning of the game. Um, I told Anthony that's the matchup. I don't necessarily. I'm not too excited about because I thought Blake Griffin was going to go ahead and take advantage of Carmelo Anthony but Carmelo Anthony he's a big guy you know he's he's a big guy he has a lot of girth he has a lot of size to him and so Blake tried to do what he does usually is you know back somebody down and Anthony was there to kind of fight him off so Carmelo Anthony did a great job as a third superstar third wheel type teammate he had 14 points six rebounds three assists um, he shot five of twelve, one of five from from three point line, and uh, three of five from the line. So overall, the numbers don't necessarily look super starry uh, for Carmelo Anthony, but he played the role, and so that's something that moving forward is very important for the guys, for the especially the big three, to kind of notice their roles throughout the games. Their roles might change in different games of the year, and so in this role, Anthony Carmelo Anthony said, "Hey." I'm gonna tell you know I'm I'm gonna defend Blake Griffin, and I'll take the shot whenever it's there. And that's basically what he did. He he passed a lot more this game. Um, he had three assists, so I was very impressed by him. Westbrook, 22 points, three rebounds, eight assists. You know when you talk about Westbrook, you talk about the triple doubles. You talk about the season he had last year, and so those numbers look very subdued. But again, he was eight of 16 from the field and five of six from the free throw line. Again, very important for him. Um, to get comfortable at the free throw line again, um, so he's he's back up to sixty percent on the season, and then 
Abrinas, 14 points, three rebounds. He was three or four from three, which is exactly what we need from him. And then again, Dakari Johnson, nine points, one rebound, two assists, one block, one steal. Great overall game for him as far as him being, that being his first start, as far as you're not, you're not necessarily expecting too much from him. Uh, on the L.A. side, um, Lou Williams went off. Lou Williams always goes off against the Thunder. He had 35 points, seven rebounds, three assists. He was 6-12 from three. So that was probably L.A.'s saving grace. If it wasn't for Lou Williams, it would have been blown out by 20, 30 points. Um, so Lou Williams, damn you, Lou Williams. Yeah. <laughs> Lou Williams. And he did, that, he did that with Houston last year. So yeah, that's, that's just what he does. He's uh, a professional scorer. He he's, has become their new Jamal Crawford. Oh, my gosh, yes. He's Jamal Crawford 2.0. But going back to – so. As you notice it, you know, Anthony took 12 shots. George took 22 shots. Westbrook took 16 shots uh, last year because he didn't have any help and he had to mm-hmm. do it. I mean, it probably would have took – Westbrook would have took 30, 35 shots to get 42 points. Yeah, I mean, uh, he so, did that consistently last yeah, year. Yeah, look at, looking at the effectiveness of not only Paul George but Russell Westbrook and Carmelo Anthony's, guess what? Sometimes, some games, somebody's only going to get 12 shots. Yeah. And you're gonna have to you're gonna have to put your touch on the game in other areas, and that's just gonna happen when you have three prolific scores like you do. But look at the uh, efficiency at which they mm-hmm. scored. You know, Paul George only took 22 shots to get 42 points. Yeah, oh you know, yeah. Th- that efficiency we haven't seen efficiency like that. Westbrook had 22 points on eight of 16 shooting, um, and it was funny you mentioned to me in the game. Uh, who was it? Uh, Lou Williams picks up a technical foul. Mm. Was it Lou? I think it was Lou Williams early on in the game, and Carmelo Anthony goes out there to take the the free, the free shot, yeah. and you lean over, and you lean over, and you're like, I remember when Westbrook used to take those. You yeah, know, man. talking about Westbrook's struggle at the free throw line right now. That that delay of game thing is just kind of, and I don't know if it's in his head or if it's just that rhythm. You know that that pregame that pre free throw ritual really is that calculating and important to him. I think it's in his head now. So there there was two free throws during the Denver game. I think. Um, and he looked complete. So he missed the first one and you could see he was, he was, he was mad. And the second shot was, it looked on almost Andre Robertson ish. Um, it was literally like if he, if he would have taken just an ounce off as far as pushing it to the rim, it would have been an air ball. That's how bad it was. That's how close it was to, to being kind of an air ball. Um, so I think it's in his head. Hopefully. You know, whatever he does to at the free throw line to get this done, I don't know if he has to, you know, he usually does the breath techniques where, and he, you know, putting his, his hand over like he's about to do the, the yeah, national he, anthem or something like that. The deep breath. Yeah, the deep breath. His Apple Watch. Whatever he in. has to do, yeah, whatever he has to do, I hope he does, and I hope he, he kind of gets that shored up because, I mean, I remember Westbrook being the guy that in extremely pressure situations, like the Clippers uh, game from a couple years ago in the playoffs, uh, where he had three shots to put him up, to, uh, yeah. you know, and you, you know that was the one where uh, Kevin Durant was on the other end of the floor sitting down because he didn't want to look. He made all three of those shots, and and it's one of those things where whenever what Russell Westbrook went to the free throw line at the end of games, I had you know I could look at that and be like, that's that's two points right there. I can't do that this season, not yet at least. Yeah, and and you can see that the players only team meeting had kind of effect because to start off the first six minutes of the game, we saw glimpses of the old Russell Westbrook. I mean, yeah, we went down by six. It was six to nothing early. We hadn't scored at all in like two minutes, and so he just said, "You know what? I'm driving it in." And so, and so it it was almost like that. Got it going. Almost like that basketball hoop was talking about his mama. 
because he took out all his aggression on that hoop and several dunks, yeah. including one that forced uh, the Clippers to call a timeout, and he runs off to the corner yeah. and tells everybody to, uh, you know, politely get off their seat. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> politely. Yeah, politely. Uh, in, in the Russell Westbrook way, tells them to get off their seat. And, like, you could just tell, like, you know, you had glimpses of the old Russ back. Like, like, like Russ is about to take over this game. Like, he's about to put a stank on it. So, so let me ask you. So, so okay, so you keep on saying we had glimpses of the old Russ. Do you think Russ is hurt? Do you think there's something that is keeping him from being old? Because it's well, not like he came into the season. You know, it's not like he, he's coming back from an injury. Well, you know? we did talk about the PLP. PRP. The PRP. We did talk about that, and we, you did mention that um, Reggie Jackson, had, Reggie Jackson had it, and he had a hard time coming back. And just based off looking at him, you see the cupping. He's been kicking it with Kyle Singler and uh, yeah, and been, getting that cupping action. Getting into fight, uh, fights with the Kraken. Yeah, so you can see that he has the cups on his shoulder. So that just leads me to believe that either his shoulder is sore and it's hurting him or, you know, something ain't right. Like, yeah. And not, not that it's a major injury, but something's not right. Like, you know, he tweaked it and he just maybe needs to rest it or whatever. And he's trying to alter the means mm. uh, to, you know, heal it and stay in the game. So it just doesn't look like it's back. It's just, it's just he just... He seems weird. He seems off. Like, he seems, number one, not sure of himself sometimes. You know, in a span of a game, you're going to get a West, you know, you're going to get Russell Westbrook that you know and love. Um, but it seems more and more these last couple games, I've seen a very hesitant Russell Westbrook where he doesn't know, like, he gets into this rhythm where he's about to take a shot. And last year, you know, the, the defender would have come at him and he would have jumped up and gotten a foul or whatever. Um, this year, he's doing that, but he's kind of hesitating beforehand, and the, defend- the defender is able to adjust very quickly and not necessarily jump up, and it kind of throws him off completely. And he's thrown up bad jumpers. He's uh, the whole thing with the uh, the flagrant one that he got called in the uh, in the Denver game, or was it the Denver Sacramento game? One of uh, those. It was the. It was one of those games. I think wasn't it Portland? Because it's the same game that Russ. Uh, that uh... no, no, it was the next game. So it was okay. Sacramento. Yes, yeah, Sacramento. So he, he, so he got a, a flagrant one called on him because he came down on a jump shot because he was not in rhythm because he, did, he tried to do the whole stutter and the whole you know, fake up, and it didn't work, and he kind of came down on his head, and they called a flagrant one, which they later, later rescinded a couple days later. He just does not seem completely there, completely sure of himself, and I don't know if that's a, an injury thing, like where he's, you know, he's a little bit hurt and he's not necessarily comfortable with himself at this moment. Or if, whether that's a just a rhythm thing with the with the new players around him, um, you know, I mentioned to you whenever you know whenever we lost the Denver game, I was like, something's wrong with him. He's he's not there completely. Yeah, you said he his uh the spring in his step is. Uh, you said it was a little off. Yeah, I have a theory. I think what happened was when you asked him about his uh, fashion book <laughs> and you weren't aware of how long he's been a fashion icon. I think that's where all the mental problems started, <laughs> right, right that, then and there. That one, that one month comment just just killed him. Westbrook was like, "I've been doing this my whole life. What you talking about?" No, but you know, Anthony and I had conversations uh, during one of our podcasts where I made mention where I thought this was Oklahoma City's biggest year, you know, and they've been to the finals before and they've had to recover from KD's uh, leaving the team. Yet, to me, this season was going to be their biggest season yet. Everyone was going to have the uh, magnifying glass on them, especially Russell Westbrook. Everyone kind of wondering how is he going to acclimate his game to uh, to uh, 
bring in these other two superstars. I haven't seen all the games, to be quite honest, but it sounds to me like clearly he's not the same player. Maybe he's trying to change too much to get the other two involved. I mean, maybe they're successful when he is who he is. Well, and that's and that's partly what you saw yesterday is Russ kind of take over, shift the momentum, mm-hmm. and swing it back to moving them ahead, change the momentum, and then one guy gets hot, and then they feed him. So I think I think it's a combination of the two. Russ is going to have to put like his stamp on it. Like you know, this is my team, and yes, you might go off Carmelo and you might go off Paul George, and we're gonna feed you. But understand mm-hmm. that you know I still there's still things that I need to do, and. I, I, it's just like like uh, like uh, oh, there was one play where he t- goes off on a fast break and he takes off. He takes off way too early, and yeah. he just lays it up instead of dunking. And you look to me and you're like, oh, he would have dunked that last year. Yeah, and we watch it on replay, and I'm like, yeah, he took off way too early. Like, like why the hell is he jumping from? Like he he doesn't have the Giannis Antetokounmpo wingspan. Like mm-hmm. he's jumping way too early. Like he's thinking too much. And like- and, and on top of the, and I've been saying this. <laughs> It's, that's I told you not to ask him about the fashion. Uh, the one thing, and, and I've said this for years, is he's he to me is he's he's like Cam Newton. He's so big, so strong, so he fast for that position. No, 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 no. <laughs> he doesn't mind women asking about sets, and you know he did, he Leslie McCaslin is a sideline reporter, so he's okay. <laughs> he, he loves Leslie, man. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he's so big, so strong, and so fast for that particular position that he takes hits that would normally be called on other players um, and he doesn't get the call because he's so bigger than all these other point guards that he just doesn't get the call and uh, you know he gets beat up a lot and takes unnecessary hits yeah um, so kind of moving on from Russell Westbrook um, I've kind of noticed a a trend in the season in, in the entire season not just these last couple games where the Thunder do a great job of getting out early, so getting out in front early, and then completely going on a cold spell, where not only do they go on a cold spell, because that's going to happen in the league, even the Golden State Warriors go on cold spells sometimes, Um, but during the cold spell, they completely and utterly hemorrhage points. And it's usually when the bench is in the game. You know, There have been some games where the bench is great, and the bench has actually either kept us in the game or actually brought us back. Um, but the majority of the time, it seems like defensively they are just not there completely, um, and it's having an effect on the rest of the game. So, for instance, in the Clippers game, which, I, which like I said, it's a microcosm of the last couple games, um, they were up by 14 points with four minutes left in the first quarter. By the end of the first quarter, the Thunder were down by one, okay, on that Lou Williams half-court shot. Which – which he double clutched. That was, he double clutched and still made that. That dude, he's a professional scorer, man. He, he he's got a girlfriend and a wife. I mean, he's 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 he has no worries on the court. Like when he goes home, he's like, I got A and I got B. And then my which one's in a good mood? Yeah, which one's in a good mood? The one in a bad mood, just go somewhere else. I'm gonna hang out with the one in a good mood. See, he has no he has no worries outside of the court, so he's good to go. Um, so. We had that issue, and then six minutes left in the third quarter, we're up by 20. And then with five and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter, we're tied again. So, I mean, what's going on there? What, what do you see? Like, like I said, whenever we go a little bit cold, 
you can go cold in the NBA and still have your defensive principles and still hold on to the, the lead that you have, even if it's a, a struggle. We go cold and we hemorrhage points. There's not too many times that teams are going to blow a 20-point lead and a 14-point lead in one game and still win. No, that's not. Exactly. And, and, and it's one of those things that, listen, the Clippers came into the game and they were decimated. That This is not the Clippers team when fully healthy that you're going to get. You do that against San Antonio. You do that against, I mean, a, a full squad San Antonio with Kawhi, which that's kind of worrying me as far as him not coming back yet. Yeah, but let's but on, on, on a so, side, we'll come back to that. Yeah. So you do that against the Golden States, the Houstons, you know, I guess apparently the Bostons um, of the league, and they're not going to let you come back. They're going to go ahead and grab a hold of that game, grab it by the neck, and not let you come back. And so that kind of worries me about us going against the elite and us wanting to be considered elite in the league. Um, so what's the deal with that? I mean, do you, do you have any, like, if, in anything that you've seen, do you see anything within that, you know, is it the bench? Is it, you know, is it is it the same situation where, like, last year, whenever Russell got out of the game, we struggle? Well, I, th- I, th- I noticed that Donovan is still messing with his rotation. Okay. He's still trying to figure out who he wants to leave out there with the second unit. Yesterday, um, he pulled Carmelo early. Mm-hmm. He pulled uh, – he left Westbrook in late into the first but kept him out deep into the second. Yeah. And just left George out there with the second unit. You And then you throw in guys like Abrinas and then you you swab in Abrinas with um, – with Aunt Roberson and then uh, Robertson and then Carmelo and like I like I know Abrinas is not great defensively and I, and I understand he has his problems on that end of the floor yeah but you know he I mean he's serviceable he's ser- yeah he's he's, okay. he's a serviceable guy who's obviously still learning and still putting on muscle mm-hmm. uh, so it's not like he's completely out there you know he, you know guarding nobody let me ask he you still this. tries he still tries to he does his best to block off the lane let me ask you this and I've noticed that so. Patrick Patterson, when when he was brought over, so Patrick Patterson, when he was with Toronto, is not, he's never going to be a great stats guy. He's never going to be that guy. Oh my God, he's averaging fifteen points and blah blah blah. No, he's always going to be the guy that averages about seven points, gives you about five rebounds. Um, but he was their leader in plus minus, I, be, I believe. Um, so he was the guy that whenever he was out there on the floor, he did whatever had to be done to to help the team. Um, this year, so whenever we signed him, I was like, oh, my, oh, heck yeah. Heck yeah. You know, this is, this is a guy that's going to come in, be the ultimate role player. He's going to be basically Nick Collison with, with legs still, you know, because Nick Collison used to be that guy where he was a no-stats MVP. He would come in, give you what you needed, um, provide you with whatever you needed to during that time that he's on the floor. And by the time he left off the floor, usually the team was in better standing or an equal standing than it was whenever he came into the game. Um, so Patrick Patterson, I know he's coming back from an injury. We're eleven games, twelve games in. I, I'm just a little bit worried whether he swallowed the pill that Kyle Singler swallowed before him, and he he's come to Oklahoma City and he's just sucks now. He's one of those guys that we signed and we're like all excited about, and then when they get here, they forget how to do everything that they did somewhere else. Yeah, like like the the thing that Patrick Patterson was known for other than his switchability on defense, was corner threes. I, I would like to, I, I, I can pull up a chart real quick and see how many corner threes he's taken, but he's not taken that much. He's always shooting these either top of the key or these elbow threes that just clang off the rim, and honestly, they're, they're not even that close. 
his his strength is corner threes. Why is he not posted up in the corner? You know, um, I I don't know why because I remember when I remember Patterson's name mm-hmm. because when they had that run where Bismack Biombo just went off, yeah. and just completely took over games. He was usually on the floor. with Patterson him. was the guy that was there with him. Um, and you know it was Patterson and and, mm-hmm. and Biombo that were just going off for Toronto, um, and I just you know I I guess it's that he maybe you know again like he he didn't have a preseason with us. This is relatively eleven games in. This is his preseason, but you would think by now eleven. I mean they only play four games during this. You know this is a short in NBA, mm-hmm. short in preseason. They only play four games, so by now you would think that he would have assimilated into the offense in such a way that he could help himself out there. And you, and I see him out there trying to set those screens, get in the right areas, but it always seems like just whenever he's open, it's always on that elbow or the, or the top part of the, the three-point line, and he's, you know, letting, letting it fly. So, so yesterday, so the Clippers game, so he played – don't know what that was. Um, so yesterday he played 11 minutes. In those 11 minutes, he was a minus 24. The team got outscored by 24 in the 11 minutes he was out there. And so, you know, like I said, I don't, I don't expect him to come into the game and be this shooting extraordinaire that's going to shoot, you know, make 9, 10, 12 points in a span of 11 minutes. No. But he, he was brought in, and one of the things that they said about him was, hey, good defensively. Not necessarily great, good defensively, solid defensively. That didn't look very solid right there. That yeah. does not look very solid, and it has not been very solid throughout the season. He picked up a couple a couple cheap fouls early on. When, as a matter of fact, the first minute he got into the game, he picked up a foul yesterday. Yeah, and he's not a small guy. Like I hear a whole bunch of people saying that, you know, I guess during the Sacramento game, he got taken advantage of by Zach Randolph also. And so this game, he got taken advantage of by Blake Griffin. He's not a small guy. He's a big enough guy to go ahead and kind of bang – on the inside a little bit, especially against power forwards, not necessarily against centers or anything. Um, I, I just wonder whether he swallowed that pill that, that Kyle Singler, you know, swallowed four years ago and he's come to Oklahoma city. And now he's, you know, we're, we're saddled with a three-year contract or, you know, that, that we're going to regret signing him to, uh, you know, I don't know. But one thing I do know is uh, my man T here is not here for Patrick Patterson shooting threes. He is not for it at all. <laughs> Look, man, if, you, if you're open, <laughs> look, I'm all for it. But like you're saying, where he's taking them at, they're just not going in. They're not. It's, it's not his natural position where he likes to shoot them from. And, I mean, he's setting the good screens. I mean, he's doing that. He's letting people get open to hit those. But when he's got his own action going, it's not. And Jeremy Grant, too. I mean, he's got the open three. They're shooting it. I don't know. You know, Billy Domas has got to figure something out. I mean, uh, Jeremy Grant's doing good this season. Well, he's doing great. But, I mean, it's shooting at the – he's got some threes that he goes. Sometimes they go in. Sometimes they don't, too. I think we're just taking too many threes. And at some point, two is as good as three. I mean, if you're hemorrhaging points, you got to score. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll give you that. And I, I think I think Donovan is finding out that Paul George is probably better suited to play with the bench than Carmelo Anthony is. You think? Because Carmelo Anthony is basically a perimeter and his canter. And I don't want to use the I don't want to use the term black hole. Um, but once the ball goes into him, or once he gets the ball, especially if he's out there with the benchies. Carmelo Anthony's like, I'm taking this shot. You know, I, I got I got all these guys around me that are reserve players. I'm taking this shot. You know, I, I probably had the better chance of making a point than does anybody else on the floor. And for the most part, it's true. It's okay. 
Um, kind of the same thing with Ennis Canner. Ennis Canner wouldn't pass the ball last year. Like you would throw in the, the ball into Ennis Canner, dribble, 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 pump fake, pump fake, pump fake, goes up to the you know goes up to the that, that, that was his thing. Um, but I think with Paul George out there, Paul George looked for Abrinas more yesterday, and so Abrinas got more chances, and so he rewarded the Thunder with going three for four from the three point line. Um, I think Paul George is probably better suited to play with the with the bench. I don't necessarily want him playing 42 minutes in a game, which is what he played yesterday. Uh, so that's something to look out for. But I think Paul George is better suited for the bench, and I think that's a move that Billy Donovan will kind of bring into this and kind of go ahead and you know put him out there with them. And hopefully that gets Patterson going. Because I think the thing with Patterson is it's just like anything. It's just human nature. If you're out there and you're not necessarily getting any shots, any opportunities, you kind of you kind of miss the way you're playing. You know, you kind of – you know you. Whenever you go to the defensive side of the ball, you think about that last shot that you missed. That you know that was probably your only opportunity to score at all during the game. Um, so I, well, I think all this that you're saying. I mean, look, we're only like what? We're 11 games in, right? 12. 12 games. Okay. Five and seven. So you said um, my man hadn't had preseason. No. All right. So are we panicking just a little bit too early? As far as him? As far as all of it. I mean, with the team and with Patrick Patterson so far. I mean. Do we have to give this like, like twenty games? Just well, yeah, I don't think we're panicking. Like a, I'm, I'm like, okay, so I'm not panicking. Right. I'm just noticing trends, yeah. and the trends are worrisome. I'm not necessarily oh. panicking. I'm not saying you know, you know, throw, you know, throw in the towel. Let's get our draft pick this year because you know if the draft pick is outside the lottery, we don't get it. It goes to Minnesota, I think. Um, I'm, so I'm not there at right. this point because, like, like you said, we're twelve games in, but I'm seeing trends that are worrisome. I'm seeing trends that they're not fixing. You know, the whole thing, yes, yay, we won the Clippers game, but you, you know, you had a 14-point lead. Within four minutes, you were down by one. You had a 20-point lead. Within 12 minutes, you were tied. You know, that's, that stuff is worrisome to me because, like I said, when you play the great teams, which you're trying to be elite yourself, it's not, it, it's not going to go I good agree. for you. It is alarming because we played some teams here. I'm like, well, not necessarily saying everybody's a bad team here that we're playing, but – some of these games, you know, you, you didn't think they'd be losing these. No, no, definitely. Definitely. So, so what would you say is the time frame? What's the window for them to get this thing figured out? I mean, obviously they can't wait until they're, say, mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. But at one point in your mind, are you like, man, if we don't have it figured out by then, we got some real problems. I think by the end of this month. I think um, because we have we have a, a swath of games coming up where we're playing – we play Dallas and we play Chicago coming up. Those at home. Mm-hmm. So those should be easy games. Should be. Okay? After that, we have what? San Antonio. We have Golden State. Um, so right after that, you've got the Spurs. Then you've got the Pelicans. Mm-hmm. Then you have the Warriors. And, and the Spurs and Pelicans are going to be on the road, right? Uh, yes. Okay, so, yes. So, yeah, so, so, so right there you see... So that's five games. Okay, the first two games are going to be against teams that you should beat. The next three games, the the first three, the first two of those three games are going to be on the road against not elite, ta- not elite level talent, but good teams. So San Antonio, New Orleans. Well, San Antonio is surprisingly really, really good considering how there's no sign of Kawhi Leonard whatsoever. Yeah, uh, he's nowhere to be found. They're streaky. And- They're streaky. They they won four. They lost four. They yeah, won three. So- they lost one. So they're, they're, they're very streaky, um, but they're still a good team, and Pop is still coaching that team. That's the thing. That's, that's a team that is a system team, 
And as long as you still have the general in charge, the system works for the most part. And so if you if you go into San Antonio and you're not disciplined and you're not doing what you know, you're not you're not catering to your strengths and you're trying to do something else. San Antonio will beat you, regardless of whether Kawhi is out there or not. Um, New Orleans, they got the two big men inside. They, you know, they're kind of they're they're a five hundred team as it is right now, um, but they can get you. You know, those two big guys can you know Anthony Davis, Demarcus Cousins, they can get you. <laughs> then you go to you know then you got Golden State, which is you know you don't even have to say anything about that at home. Well, not just that. Like you were mentioning, um, you know, Stephen Adams didn't play last night. So allegedly, he might have been on crutches calf, yeah. with the calf contu- uh, contusion or whatever's going on with his calf. Uh, Dakari Johnson plays. He plays well, well enough to where you look at maybe these next two games holding him out, even if he's ready, to give him a little bit of extra bit of rest because you have Dakari Johnson, who seems like for the minutes that you're playing him can give you enough in these next two games against Dallas and Chicago yeah. to to be able to save Steven Adams for, you know, obviously the Spurs, the Pelicans, and the Warriors. Yeah, I mean, and so so sneaker reporter Travis Singleton, uh, guy, you know, friend of the pod, guy we had on about, uh, about three or four weeks ago, um, so he put out a tweet that he said that the security guy or whatever advised him that Steven Adams was walking around on crutches. And so apparently he has a calf contusion um and he's walking around on crutches. So that that does not sound good. Uh I, I wouldn't necessarily be too worried about it, but you know, when you hear stuff like that, that doesn't sound too good, especially when you have a couple games coming up against the Spurs and against the uh the Pelicans. So hopefully he's good. Hopefully he's good to go. Hopefully we can take these next couple games, just give him, you know, a little breather. Let him recover, let him rest, and uh, he comes back for the the road trip here, um, rested and healthy. So one last thing before we move on to mm-hmm. other things. Uh, you had mentioned it to me, and I just want to get your opinion. What do you think about Dakari Johnson potentially getting some minutes uh, alongside Steven Adams to kind of give us that two-big-man lineup like we had last year with Steven Adams? Um, it just kind of depends on the team that we're playing. Um, so I could see, I could definitely see an Adams, Dakari Johnson type thing for a couple minutes, not necessarily for, for long minutes, uh, but you know, two or three minutes spurts here or there, maybe against the Pelicans. Um, the, uh, San Antonio, who's their center? I don't even know who San Antonio's center is. If they have a center, I know they have, uh, I think LaMarcus Aldridge. Is LaMarcus Aldridge? No, no, no. They, they do have a center. Um, no, Gasol comes off the bench. Yeah, so I know you know I know Rudy Gay's been playing very good for them. Um, I know Dejounte Murray has been showing flashes, uh, but as far as their big men, I don't, I don't really know who their big men are. He's, oh, so Lamarcus Chargers is listed as their starting center. As their center, yeah, yeah. So I mean, that, you definitely don't. It, it, so if it's a situation where Lamarcus is is the center, and let's say Rudy Gay's the the power forward, you definitely or, don't want to play um, both Adams and Dakari Johnson together for that. So the Pelican game is probably the only one that I could see that lineup actually working, uh, kind of like the Ennis Canner, Stephen Adams, you know, Stash Bros lineups from the past. Um, so, so friend of the pod, so OKC obstinacy. He had a Twitter question. Um, so does PG need to be OKC's leading scorer for them to be successful? What do you think? I don't. I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, I just think that they need one of the three to put their stamp on a game, the flavor on their game in order to be consistently 
you have to have one. Mm. You prefer to have two. I don't necessarily think Paul George has to be the leading scorer. I do think the aggressiveness that Paul George brought to this Clippers game is what we need to see every game. And I do think that that, that aggressiveness, um, especially taking over when he's out there with the bench, especially taking over um, whenever the team needs a basket, because he took over yesterday whenever the team needed a basket. Um, I, I think that's the Paul George that you want to see. And him being a leading scorer may just be a, you know, a cause and effect, a cause and effect type thing of that aggressiveness. Um, so I don't think it necessarily he necessarily has to be their leading scorer, um, but I do think that his aggressiveness will lead to him probably leading the the team in scoring if he moves, you know, moving forward if he if he continues with this. Um, so let me chime in. Go ahead. You know, sometimes I think we tend to. Uh, complicate simple things you know on the from the outside looking in if this team was as successful as they were with Russell Westbrook being the man in in, in charge having that historic season last season and they were what the eighth seed uh in the, the, six. the, the, the sixth six seed okay so if you're successful to that extent with that formula you know shouldn't just adding one or two very good players help you that much more so what, I guess what I'm trying to say is, man, Russell Westbrook just needs to go back to being Russell Westbrook. Maybe not to that extreme per se, but he shouldn't have to alter his game so much. You know, the thought was he needed help. I mean, these two, they, that's what they just need to be. They just need to be help. They don't necessarily need to be a leading scorer. That's completely <laughs> diverting from what got you to where, where you were at in the first place, in my opinion. It, it almost goes back to uh, what the issues that Steph Curry and, and, and Kevin Durant had last year and to the point where – Steph was like, yo, just just do your thing and, and my shots will come. And after that, the the you know, the light switch flipped and they were clicking and they were gelling. And it just seemed like there was enough basketball for all of them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of the same situation that you're talking about. I think Russell Westbrook needs to just do his thing and uh these other two guys will come in um as backup. And not, so and not just that. I mean Carmelo Anthony is on the record saying that we're here for Russ. You know, like they didn't come here for to enjoy the nightlife in Oklahoma City. No, you know, they're yeah, they're here to win. You know, Carmelo Anthony, he had to go ahead and drop his no trade clause to agree to go to Oklahoma City. So they are here for Russell Westbrook because they think that he is a superstar talent, superstar power on in the NBA that can make an effect um, on their games and you know, basically lead them to where they, they've never been before. You know, Carmelo Anthony, the farthest he's ever been is the Western Conference Finals. The farthest Paul George has ever been is Eastern Conference Finals. You know, so maybe together they all figured, hey, we can maybe go further than that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, a lot of it's on Russell. A lot of it is Russell kind of like just reading each game as it is. You know, unfortunately, it's not going to be a situation where, you know, it may not be a situation where Russell is the leading man every game. Russell has to has to read the situation. He has to be like, okay, Paul George, hot hand, you know, give it to him. I'm the hot hand in this game because you know the guy in front of me cannot guard me, and so you know, so he, so th- the job on him this year is probably a lot more difficult um, than it was last year. Um, so I think maybe a lot of the struggles have to do with his juggling that that mentality of, hey, am I Russell Westbrook from last year? Or am I this new guy that has to read every game? Um, so I guess maybe that's where the struggle comes in. Well, I, I think some of that's got to be on the coach, too. Yeah. At some point in time, Billy Donovan or Mo Cheeks has got to go to Russ and be like, hey, 
just be Russell Westbrook. Yeah. We'll yeah. Ad- we'll we'll adjust everything else. Or hey, go, you know, go distribute go distribute the ball cuz this guy's, you know, he's got the hot hand. Mm. Let's let's feed him. You know, at some point in time the coach has got to come in there and be like, "Hey, just just do you. Do that's you a, and 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 we'll worry about the rest." And I, I I've, I've told you that that's a uh I don't know if Billy Donovan can handle three superstars, man. I, I just, I mean, I would love to, th- I would love to think that he can. And you know, we we've seen situations where guys can't. You know, we saw who was the coach? Who was the coach at Cleveland that that LeBron basically uh, kicked out? Platt. 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 Yeah, David Blatt. David Blatt. Platt. So Platt. yeah, David Blatt, Platt. and Mark. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he he's the owner of Platt College. I mean, he's he's right there teaching people how to do hair and all that stuff. So you know he he couldn't so he couldn't handle it, um, you know we've seen Mike Brown have teams full of superstars and not be able to handle it, um, so I don't know I, I hope Billy's not that guy you know we've seen him in his first year he made the run with uh, with Duran and Westbrook where they got all the way to a game seven in the Western Conference Finals, um, and then last year we saw the the great job that he did whenever the team was decimated by Durant not coming back you know we saw we saw a coach that had to on the fly basically coach a team and you know lead led them all the way to the sixth seed and into the playoffs. Um so I hope I hope Donovan is up for the job, but what I'm seeing so far is that as a player's coach sometimes your voice is not as strong as if you are an authoritarian type coach like a Tom Thibodeau or a Greg Popovich. Uh well Greg Popovich is that great combination, that great balance between player coached and authoritarian. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. Hopefully hopefully Billy Donovan is able to coach this team. But that is something worth watching here in the next, probably about this next 20 games, where we see how the team does with him at the helm. Well, with all that being said, I mean, a year ago, I mean, we, we couldn't even dream of this. So I think these are good problems to have because now we're trying to figure out how to get it together. And I think Billy can. I mean, he was, he was successful at the college level. Yeah. He was successful coming in on his first season. Yeah, last year was a success. I mean, yeah, seriously, it was. So I just think, you know, they just got to figure it out. And hopefully before Christmas, we'll have it figured out. Hopefully, hopefully. And, so, and you're looking at last year. Yeah, we were the sixth seed. But had it not been for the seeding, yeah, most people agree that if we had a better first round matchup, we would have made it to the second round um, against, I think it was San Antonio and possibly beat San Antonio yeah. maybe a lot of what ifs, but make it to at least the Western Conference Finals if it if it hadn't been I mean, for how hell, we felt. If we had, if we had a couple of things go our way in that Houston series, we, we probably could have made it a series number one, and we probably could have made it to the second round. But you know, like he Billy Donovan kept on playing Samaj Kristen whenever it was quite apparent that Samaj Kristen and Nor- Norris Cole couldn't handle that that you know that that reserve unit. Yeah, we also noticed that early on in the four game losing streak where. Um, who was it? Uh, Boston in the start of the four game losing streak. Boston went to a small ball lineup, and it took Donovan eight yeah, he minutes didn't, he didn't before adjust. he made a change. That 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 pissed me off. You know that was it's completely. So Boston comes out in the second half because they started they started Aaron Baines at center. That wasn't working out for them. You know the Thunder got an eighteen point lead in the first half, and so to adjust that, Brad Stevens um, took out Baines and put in Marcus Morris. So. Smaller team, faster team, more depth to shooting threes, things of that nature. By the time Billy Donovan did so, by the time Billy Donovan did anything, um, after eight minutes in the third quarter, Boston was only down by six, had all the momentum, and it was game after that. It was game after that. The big three 
you know, they, they couldn't do much after that. Boston's defense took over. They're the best defensive team in the league. And that 1-5 pick and roll with him and Al Horford destroyed the Thunder down the stretch. Let's talk about Boston's defense considering how they lost their 100 100- $50 million man in Gordon Hayward. But he was never going to be their defensive star. Anyway. Yeah, but, I mean, he also leads to the team defense, and and he wasn't going to be the superstar defensive guy, cause, yeah. you know, that, but he was going to be a guy that could give you some decent defense and with a, with a combination, and now he goes down. Uh, for all intents and purposes, people look at it like, oh, man, this could be crippling to Boston and what they're yeah, planning on doing, and then all of a sudden they rip off 11 straight. 11 straight. They go 0 for 2. You know what the turning point was? What? Kyrie Irving tells a fan to uh, perform an act on him, and all of a sudden they rip off 11 straight. Yeah, but I think, I think a lot of it does have to do with Kyrie, but he's motivated this season. Oh, you yeah. know, he wants to prove to people that he can play without LeBron, similar to Russell last, last season wanting to prove he can play without KD. I want to see Kyrie next season to see if he's the same player as he is yeah, this he, season. Yeah, he doesn't want to be little brother anymore. But, but they've got a great coach, though. Yeah, Brad Stevens is. I mean, come on. He's Popovich 2.0, I think. I mean, he's he's a great coach. And it sucks because there were rumors that Sam Presti. You're going to make us cry. Don't say this on No. (laughs) There were rumors that Sam Presti. So Sam Presti had been following um, Brad Stevens for years before he became um, Boston's coach. It's just the timeline didn't really work out for the Thunder getting Brad Stevens. So Brad – so – Sam Presti had always had an an affinity for Brad Stevens. He'd always had an affinity for um, Billy Donovan. Um, Boston, of course, hires Brad Stevens. And so whenever he had to make the move that he had to make, you know, he hired Billy Donovan because, you know, he knew him and, you know, he he liked the way he he thought. He liked the way that he coached. Um, But there could have been a scenario where Oklahoma City ended up with Brad Stevens. That was the situation where we kind of held on to – Brooks uh, about a Brooks, year too, uh, too long. A year too long because we were trying to keep Kevin Durant and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, timelines don't work. Uh, so Kyrie goes out and says that uh, playing for Brad Stevens has been life-changing. He's given him a mental look at basketball that he's been craving for quite some time. Is he taking a shot at Tyrone Lue? I think so. I think Tyrone Lue, Tyrone Lue is, a, is a player's coach. And you got to understand, man, the, the, the coach that coaches any team that LeBron is on, other than – Hell, I don't know. Who, who's, you'd have to be a Phil Jackson. Yeah, you'd have to be a, you'd have to be a Phil Jackson, a Pat Riley, or something like that um, for you to actually get the respect from LeBron. You know, Eric Spoltra did a great job in Miami, but we all know that those teams were not necessarily coached, um, but were pushed forward by LeBron, by LeBron, by Dwayne, and by Chris Bosh. And Pat Riley. And Pat Riley, exactly. The Cleveland era – we know that LeBron has basically been everything to those teams. He's been their GM. He's been their coach. He's been their best player. He's been their, he's been their everything, you know. Um, so when I want to look at Teron Lou, I don't necessarily see a great basketball mind. I see somebody that could relate to the players. I see somebody that has played uh, with other superstar players, and so he knows how to control those egos because he played with Shaq and he played with Kobe. So you play with Shaq and Kobe, you know that egos go into that. He learned from Phil how to maybe manage those egos, things of that nature. And so I'm pretty sure he's applied that to Cleveland, to his job in Cleveland. He's gotten a championship out of it. So you know, let's not look at that and say, oh, you know, Teron Lou, he's, you know, he's trash. He's not trash, um, but he's not Phil Jackson either. Phil Jackson was 
great with the X's and O's. Phil Jackson was great at getting good um, help around him as far as the coaching staff. And then also he was great at knowing how to manage egos and knowing how to manage stars. As much as I can't, kind of can't stand him right now. Um, Who, Teron Lue? No, 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 not Teron Lue. Steve Kerr. Okay. Uh, Steve Kerr, like I think one of Phil Jackson's strengths, and I think that Steve Kerr's picked up on, is um, knowing how to go at a player in order to motivate your team. Yeah. So Steve Kerr's on the record, and Draymond Green's on the record, uh, as saying that you know he he knows when to push Draymond Green's buttons, um, and basically call him out in a huddle, even though he was nowhere near that. Mm. Call Draymond Green out in the huddle because he knows when Draymond gets on the floor, he's gonna you know whip them back into shape. You got to remember with Steve Kerr, as far as apprentice apprenticeship for becoming a coach, Phil Jackson in Chicago, Popovich, Popovich in San Antonio, and he got punched by Michael Jordan. <laughs> And he got, got punched. Some sense in his ass. <laughs> yeah. So, so I mean, yes. As far as as far as coaches go, when you look at Teron Lou again, not a great X's and O's type coach. Probably better, much better at the handling of egos. But let's not kid ourselves. LeBron is the one that makes that team. As soon as he leaves, Teron Lou's gonna look like one of those coaches that are retreads in the league. Yeah, and and like uh, like he was saying about Pat Riley in Miami. You know, Pat Riley made it known to LeBron, hey, Spolster's not going anywhere. Yeah. And so, you know, LeBron had to acquiesce a little bit to to let Spolster guide him a little bit with the – basically the pioneers of the pace and space offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, he was able to – I don't want to say submit because that seems like the wrong word. But he was able to allow himself to be coached by a young guy, Eric Spolster, a guy who worked his way yeah. up, who's not necessarily have the pedigree of – all the other uh, of, of, of Phil Pat Jackson Riley. or Pat Riley yeah. or all those guys, but you know, when, once he was told, "Hey, he's not going anywhere." Yeah, I, re- I remember. I remember those early, early, you know, that first year of the of the Miami Big Three. Yeah, you know, especially in the beginning, the big thing was when is Riley going to come down from the uh, from the front office when and, and take over? Exactly. Yeah, when is he going to take over as coach? Uh, because didn't he do that? Yeah, he did that. He's Stan Van Gundy. He yeah, Stan, he Stan Van Gundy yeah. to him. Yeah, yeah, that's. So Stan, he did that. Stan deserves that ring. He does. He, does. he, does. he probably got that ring. Maybe, maybe. All right. So, just a little bit more on the on the NBA front. So, the Eastern Conference top top three teams. You have you have Boston, of course. They're the best team in the league so far, record wise. Number two, Detroit. Number three, Orlando. Number eleven in the Eastern Conference, Cleveland. So, I'm. I'm more than sure that will not remain in play throughout the season. Um, but the East is living up to its title of being just the worst thing in the world. And Cleveland's not necessarily caring about where. I think Cleveland is like, we'll take the eighth seed, we'll knock out Boston in the first round, and it's easy pickings from there. Yeah, Cleveland really doesn't. I mean, they're struggling. Don't get me wrong. They're, they're having some struggles mm-hmm. there. But they, I don't think they really care where they end up. As long as I they think, end up top eight. I, I think they would prefer to be somewhere top three so that they get the home games. But honestly, they, they're not afraid of anybody else. And the East is just in a free-for-all that, that you know, outside of Boston surprising 11 games in a row, like, you know, you've got teams like Detroit and Orlando that are just kind of rising to the top right now. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you look at Orlando and you're like, you know, yay for them. But you know, it's the other foot's gonna drop here soon. I don't. I don't know what the other. I, I, Aaron Gordon's been playing great. 
Um, at, like I said, Jonathan Simmons brings the weekend out there is balling. Yeah, Alfred Payton's you know he's he's doing his thing, but Jonathan Jonathan Simmons brings a a heart and a a pedigree of basketball from San Antonio into Orlando, and immediately becomes the emotional leader of that team and completely changes the culture of that team. And I, he's not even starting. I think he's still coming off the bench with them. Um, but I, I think a move like Jonathan Simmons, and I would have loved for the Thunder to have gone after Jonathan Simmons whenever uh, San Antonio rescinded his uh, his his rights or whatever um, because he's that kind of guy. He's not necessarily great. He's, he's basically a non-crazy Lance Stevenson. And when I mean Lance Stevenson, I mean whenever Lance Stevenson was in his first foray with Indiana – he was their emotional leader. Like he's the guy that would, you know, jump on a grenade basically for the entire team if that would get them the win. He blew in LeBron's ear to try to get he him did, off his yeah, game. He did. Yeah, he blew in LeBron's ear. <laughs> so I mean, he's the type of guy that would do anything just to to get that win. I think Jonathan Simmons brings that to Orlando. Well, and so have you heard his story? The man is a very driven man. Who Jonathan Simmons? Oh yeah, yeah. He was, supposedly the league thing wasn't going to work out for him, and mm-hmm. he was going to get his barber's license. And then he got a tryout, I guess, with the now they call it the G League. Yeah, and um, that's yeah, where it all he, he came worked, from. Yeah. He, he worked, he worked his way with the Austin Toros. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, I think Cleveland needs to be careful though, because while I agree with the whole narrative that they know when to turn it on, I mean, we're talking LeBron seven straight finals, three straight with the Cavs. So I buy into that whole narrative that he knows when he needs to put the pressure on, but I don't think he has the supporting cast to be to be playing possum too long. Yeah. I mean, they're going to find themselves in a real deep hole here pretty soon if they don't get it turned around over there. And uh, I tell you what, as of right now, I'm not sure if they'll knock out Boston. You know, you got to keep in mind, you know, IT hasn't been brought into the foray yet. And while it could be a positive thing for that team, could also be a negative depending on how late into the season he comes back. They're going to have to work him into it. Well, on top of that, if they haven't figured out their own offensive situation or their own identity, and then you got IT coming back. So you don't know what the hell's going on. You're late or you're playing possum or you're just waiting to kick it in. And then you got a guy coming off a serious hip injury that you're trying to incorporate into your team for the first time might be too too late especially since he's probably not coming back till january okay so i hear you guys talking about cleveland and if you if you bleep out the names cleveland if you bleep out it and hip injury or whatever what scares me is that it sounds like the thunder that's what sometimes scares me and that's that's why i'm not panicking but i i notice trends and there are trends in cleveland that are unavoidable as far as looking at what they're doing um, defensively, they're horrible. You know, that's the, that's the one thing I can say about the Thunder is that defensively they're doing good. And sometimes, as far as defense goes, if you have great offensive players, your offense will catch up eventually. Um, Cleveland is horrible defensively, and they're not, they're going to get even worse whenever it comes back. Um, so this whole thing about it, you know, even LeBron said LeBron said this past week he said it is not our savior. You know, we can't wait for it to come back, um, Isaiah Thomas to come back, and you know lead us to the playoffs, uh, which is kind of funny hearing LeBron say that because he's LeBron. Um, but that's his role. <laughs> exactly. I guess. Um, but it's it just, it is, it is like, like Ryan said, it is kind of worrying with Cleveland. I think the East is, is bad enough to where Cleveland can, you know, kind of just like float on water for a little bit and then eventually turn it on. Cause they, you know, they can do that and they can get into the playoffs with 40, 40 wins. And that's about it. Um, but I, I do I do understand what what you say about you know the team that's the team that's been there the last three years is not the same team that's there this year, mm-hmm. and so 
you know, the guys that have been there and have fought the good fight with Cleveland, most of the, those guys are not there anymore. And so I do see that. And, but, but like I said, I hear you talk about Cleveland and everything that you say, oh, the new guys and, you know, it's the same thing with Oklahoma City. And so hopefully – and, and the, the thing with Oklahoma City is we don't play in a, in a bad conference. We play in the best conference in the, you know, in the NBA. You mess around and you get, you know, you get 15, 20 games behind Golden State. You get 15, 20 games behind Houston. And it's very hard to come back on that. Well, up until the Clippers win, they were 0-6 against the Western Conference. Exactly, yeah. They even 0-6. That's, that's, that hurts. It's ridiculous. That hurts because any tiebreaker is – so tiebreakers you look at – you look at, you look at a head-to-head matchup. So you look at that. Then when you start to get past that, you start to get into division record and conference record. And so if your division record and your conference record are both crappy, you're not gonna get any any tiebreakers. You know. So that's you know we're zero and six. Up to that point, we're zero and six. We're one and six now. Um, we could still build up from there, but that kind of hurts us. Yeah, that puts time. that puts us in a hole. Where you can't afford to lose too many more games no, to you the can't. Western Conference. You can't. And the Western Conference is so difficult that you are going yeah. to lose games. But who knew that uh, Le- uh, Who knew that Cleveland right now would be wanting Della Vadova back? Oh, they would love to have. They would they love have no, to have, have no, Delhi back. They have no point guard. Him rocking his Delhi ones. They have no point. Yeah. <laughs> what, 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 peak? Is it with Peak? <laughs> they have no point guards. Derrick Rose, shocker, he's hurt. You know, he's got an ankle injury. IT, of course, the hip injury. I don't know who the hell else they got as far as playing point guard. I think LeBron, once again, has to play point guard. LeBron is a power forward in this league now. Who knew that they would that anybody would say that they would love to have Della Vadova back? Yeah. Because say what you want about Della Vadova, um, there was spurts in there where he gave them like that emotional. Oh, lift. he's gritty. He's 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 that gritty guy. He's you know, that you know he's, that that you know won them some things. And and it seems like you know uh, part of the NBA season so far is that Nike's had some mishaps with their jerseys. Mm-hmm. So several of the jerseys have ripped off. Um, ben Simmons literally threw his jersey off because it ripped in half by just uh, Lance Stevenson tugging on it. And it seems like and Nike issued a statement, hey, you know, we are, we're working with the league to try to get this right and try to fix it and all this other stuff. It seems like their memo to the league was, let's call fouls on people tugging oh, on jerseys. So, okay, so, so, okay, so kind of building off of that, the refereeing against the Thunder. So, you know, whenever referees have to officiate Thunder games, I, I, I'm, not a, I'm not necessarily following other teams that closely, so I, I just follow the Thunder. But the officiating, the officiating in Thunder games has been horrendous against the Thunder. You know, to the point where Paul George, Russell Westbrook, Billy Donovan all got fifteen thousand dollars fines. You Carmelo know, Anthony got ejected. Carmelo Anthony got ejected for a flagrant, flagrant two, two that was not a flagrant if, two. If that's a flagrant two, then we got some felons up in this league. Yeah, exactly. You know, Russell Westbrook got that flagrant one for that. You know, for the follow through on that one shot. And again, the league rescinded oh, it a, a day later for the, the tip off. For getting the um the jump ball, yeah, he did get a yeah. flagrant for against uh, Boston, uh, right? Uh, yeah, shorter guy. The guy he uh he the guy had four inches on him, so obviously he has to jump higher. He reaches over, comes down with an elbow on uh Brown, Jalen Brown. Yeah, and he gets a flagrant foul for that. I mean, and I mean, it's just it, it's just the amount of contact that these guys have had to absorb when they get, especially Russell Westbrook. You know, it's always been an issue with Russell Westbrook with the with the referees, and every time he goes to the basket, he's gonna get hit. So calling a foul every time, it's either going to slow down the game or it's, you just don't call a foul every time it goes down. It's not realistic. But he's been it's, – it's, it's been it, – it has been 
horrendous the way they have fi- officiated it. And then yesterday's game was over the top as far as this whole grabbing a jersey and call a foul. Grabbing a jersey, call a foul. They did that like five times that game. Yeah, the ticky tack fouls on the jerseys. That's like, well, that's that's Nike stamp on there. And we haven't figured it out yet, but uh we're gonna need you to stay off to stop pulling these full. Yeah, these. We, we you can't you can't have the official apparel marker yeah. look bad. And then, you know, Westbrook Westbrook getting fouled by uh, Nurkic in the Portland game, mm-hmm. and then they go to reviews, and granted, granted they call the foul on on Nurkic. You mean you mean Anthony? No, 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 no. I'm talking about Russell Westbrook in that Portland yeah, he, game. He, okay, he 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 goes to the lane. Nurkic, uh, they call a foul on Nurkic for the contact, and he gets hit. He gets elbowed in the face. Uh-huh. They go to replay, and he comes back with a flagrant one. That's man, that's ridiculous. So the, they call the foul on the Portland guy, and somehow Westbrook ends up with a flagrant one at the same play. Like you remember, you remember. So you remember, was it Robert Ori in that in the Houston versus San Antonio? No, Phoenix. Phoenix, Phoenix where versus hip checked the shit out of uh, out of uh, Steve Nash. Out of Steve Nash, part of my part of my French. Yeah. yeah, so he hip checked him. Basically, got the bench all riled up. Some guys, you know, came off the bench and they had to suspend him. So I think nowadays, like guys are going to be like just literally diving their faces into people's elbows to try to get a, a flagrant two and an ejection called on guys so that they can go ahead and you know that's going to be the new hip check. It's guys just diving their faces into elbows, taking that, maybe getting a couple stitches, but Carmelo Anthony suspended or ejected from the game. Russell Westbrook's ejected from the game. You're going to start to have guys that coach put me in. I'll go and put my face out there. I mean, it's just it's getting. Ridiculous. I got this. Yeah, I got this. Uh, you know. I got all my teeth. I, 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 can, I can afford to lose a couple of them. Coach, give me a mouth guard. I got this. Yeah, exactly. So re- the officiating has been horrible. and The travel calls. And I don't care if the NBA finds me for this, but it's just been horrible. I don't care. You know. We can't afford a $15,000 <laughs> fine, though. We ain't got that kind of scratch laying around, dog. <laughs> don't worry. Our, our sponsors will go ahead and pay for it. The sponsors that do not exist at this moment, but they'll go ahead, they'll go ahead and pay for it. Okay. So, um, so just – a little bit of trade news. So Eric Bledsoe got traded to Milwaukee uh, in exchange for Greg, Greg Monroe and a protected first-round pick to Phoenix. Like the move? I do like the move because yeah. um, I think they needed a point guard, a more – like I was telling you, I th- one, they're the youngest team in the league, so I think they needed a little bit more veteran mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, in that locker room. And I think uh, they needed a consistent point guard that can consistently feed the ball to Giannis, to Tedekumpo. Uh, yeah. Middleton, Brogdon, get these guys in rhythm and and flowing, and and a guy who can keep up with the pace and space mm. that uh that Jason Kidd has Milwaukee running right now. Because yeah. Giannis is just I mean he was on a tear. He First four tear. games were forty plus game points. And the dude's wingspan is ridiculous. It's almost like a like the Space Jam movie where Jordan is like reaching out from half court from half court. To, that's like <laughs> literally his wingspan. Yeah, and then he's playing with uh, Thon. Maker. Maker, whose wingspan is like eight more inches, you know, it's yeah. like four or five more inches longer than that. So they have, they have uh, ridiculous I, I like I like the move. Uh, I like the move to uh, getting rid of Greg Monroe to kind of get more out and running. And I like the move of bringing in Eric Bledsoe. Uh, yeah, at mean, least at least now he'll be able to find a hair salon um, that he'll want to be <laughs> that, that want to be. I don't want to be here anymore. All right, so um, so Phoenix on Phoenix end. Phoenix is in full rebuild mode. Um, so. Them getting an extra first rounder. So apparently the first rounder is protected for picks 1 through 10 um, and 17 through 30 in 2018. So basically if the pick if the pick lands between um, 11 and 16, um, Phoenix gets it this year. Um, and then 
in 2019 it's protected one to three, and in 17 to 30, and then in 2020 it's protected one through seven, and it's unprotected in 2021. So I mean, it has high protections on it. It has good protections on it, um, but eventually Phoenix will get that. We'll get that. Uh, we'll we'll get that pick eventually. Um, so. So we got a question from OKC Obstinacy again. Um, so now that Eric Bledsoe has been traded, who is most likely to be next? I honestly don't see anybody be anybody else being traded um, until trade the trade deadline. You know, trade deadline you usually get those trades that come out of nowhere, and you're like, "What the heck?" You know, you know, or those, or those, those little piece trades that happen. You know, where they're trading Ronnie Brewer for a second round pick type thing. Um, so I don't necessarily think see anything big. Maybe Jaleel Okafor um, in they're Philly. Yeah, they're yeah. Tra- they're trying to buy him out or work out a trade deal for him because they did they declined his uh, fourth year option. Yeah, so um, and he's a guy that's kind of he's he's in the wrong era of basketball. Yeah, just like Greg Monroe, Greg Monroe and Ennis Kanter. I mean, they're all in the wrong era of basketball. If they would have been you know born ten years beforehand, they would have been great NBA players. Uh, but unfortunately, in this pace and space era that we're in, you know they are they are expendable and tradable um let me see so kind of want to move on to miscellaneous stuff so we have talked before about um is it leangelo so leangelo's the middle leangelo's the middle one so we talked about leangelo being the middle child in the ball family and so we you know we've talked about how we feel bad about him being the middle you know the middle guy the middle ball in that uh and that trio, not just that, his dad has literally come out and said, "Hey, he's not, he's not going to cut it in the NBA." Yeah. So, in order to uh, to rebel against his father, um, Leangelo Ball, while in China, decided to go ahead and steal. Was it some? He stole from three. Well, sunglasses, what they caught him sunglasses. on. Sunglasses. But they have video footage of him and his teammates, a couple of his teammates, stealing from three. Different stores in a high end mall in China. My man said, "My my future's so bright. I gotta buy sunglasses. I gotta steal sunglasses." I mean, keep so, in mind that the sunglasses probably said "Made in China." Probably. So 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 he got caught, and so this is when UCLA is playing. They're over there for their over, exhibition and games. Exhibition yeah, to tour, start the. And so they're in China with Georgia Tech. Yeah, with Georgia Tech against Georgia Tech. If there's one country, other than the Middle East countries, you know, where they chop off your hand right then and there, if there's one country that you do not want to be stealing from, it's communist China. Definitely not communist China. No, not. So, so the team, UCLA, has already flown back. They're already back in the United States. They will have to be there for at least another week. Unfortunately, Leangelo and the two guys that went along with him um, will probably be there for another week. Maybe even longer. They're facing anywhere from three to ten years in jail. Wow. And have you seen Locked Up Abroad? You, you don't want to be in a Chinese prison. I got a question. Who the hell thought it was a good idea to take two college teams to China? What are they doing there in the first place? Well, they've that, done it before. That's uh, Nike trying to exp- – or that's, that's college basketball, NCAA trying to ex- expand their brand into that Chinese market. They see what the NBA is doing with the Houston Rocket – Yao Ming, those kind of guys. So they're trying to expand the college game into a market that is uh, a billion strong, a billion strong, and also heavy in the basketball world. They have Stephon Marbury, Jimmer Fredette apparently is a superstar over there in China. Yeah, I'm not trying to make any excuses for for those guys that were caught. I mean, they should have known better. Whether you're in China or whether you're you're in L.A. wherever wherever you're from, it doesn't matter. Stealing is obviously wrong, but I'm starting to wonder if the lack of education of 
these kids clearly did not know where they were going. Like, like their experience with China thus far has just been the Chinese food they've been eating back at home. You know, over at PF Chang, I mean, these guys are going to get a rough education on, you know, on how the rest of the world lives. That's very true. I mean, that's, it's very true. And I, I think we're seeing the beginnings of, so whenever they do a 30 for 30 on the ball family in about 15 years, I think we're starting to see the, the beginnings of that middle child that just n- never lived up to the expectations of LeVar. Um, you're going to start to see. So I hope, this not, I, ho- I hope this doesn't meet a tragic end, but we have seen the story play out time and time and time and time again with family dynamics, especially when you have the entire family um, in the spotlight like you do with the Ball family now. Um, and so kind of piggybacking off of that and segueing off of that. So we, so everybody here just saw the, uh, the Ric Flair uh, 30 for 30 documentary. Um, I'm not a wrestling expert. I'm, I'm, I'm the one that goes to watch a wrestling pay-per-view and tells everybody in the room that wrestling is fake. <laughs> I'm the guy that gets those looks. That's me. Even though as far as the 80s go, I loved wrestling in the 80s. My interest started to wane a little bit in the 90s, and so by the 2000s, 2010s, you know, I, I, I can hardly stand it. But I'm in the midst of two guys that are wrestling aficionados, and so I did watch that Ric Flair special, and I thoroughly enjoyed it because we look at these guys, and we look at them as, number one, athletes, yes. We look at them as, as freaks, basically, because that's what wrestling wants you to look at them as freaks, as these muscle-bound Seven feet, six foot, you know, six foot eleven, six foot ten guys, um, but these are human beings, you know. And we saw the human life of Ric Flair, and we saw his all his faults, and all his successes, all his triumphs. So, you guys, do you guys have anything on that as far as touching upon that aspect of of the uh, documentary? As far as Ric Flair would tell you, it is completely real and it is choreographed. Yeah, I, oh, I know. I, 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 well, I heard him say that. That's awesome. That's good. I, you know, uh, it's kind of funny that you're talking about how you weaned off in the 90s because that was like the heyday. That's when the Attitude Era, that's when it really got good. Um, and uh, I'm not going to get too deep into it because uh, you can listen to us on the Clean Finish. We're going to talk about this on the Clean Finish podcast with uh, Triple R and Ant-Man. Um, which, which, which would be you guys. Which would be us. <laughs> with, yeah, me and Ryan. Uh, the podcast and- is fake, just like wrestling. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's interesting look into uh, the life of a wrestler who's always on the road and how it takes a toll on the family. Yeah. You know, the family dynamic. Like he said, he, he never um, – his kids never wanted for anything, mm-hmm. but they damn sure weren't – his daddy wasn't there. You know what I mean? So yeah, and, and the, reason, the reason I kind of melded that with the Leangelo Ball thing is because Ric Flair had his youngest son, Reed. What's his name? It was Reed, right? Reed. Yeah, so his youngest son, Reed – what you know was the one child in his life that wanted to completely follow in his footsteps and so eventually by the end of it you know it ended up in the tragic basically death of his son um and so you know rick flair as as bombastic and enthusiastic as he is as a wrestler became a shell of the man that he is whenever that happened and you know he 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 has still to to you know basically recover from that and you see that in the in the in the 30 for 30, you see the emotion that's poured into it. And so, I, you know, I'm hoping that it's not a something that's going to replay itself with the Ball family 
Because, I mean, say what you want about LeVar Ball. Say what you want about LaMelo and LiAngelo and Lonzo and all of them. You know, in the end, these are all still human beings. And in the end, you know, LeVar, for as much as, much as he gets, I, I also see a loving father in there. I also see a, you know, a, a patriarch of that family. Um, so I hope this does not, you know, spiral out of control as far as LiAngelo goes um, to become a situation like Reed Flair. You know, I thought the documentary was was well done. Um, you know, and, and of course we all come from different walks of life. So, you know, whether it's that documentary or, or just about anything that you uh, get entertainment from, it's going to speak to you in different ways. So, uh, you know, I really enjoyed the, uh, that, you know, when I was looking at it, you know, I travel for full time for a living. So, you know, I don't, I may not know the extent of the nightlife like, like he did, but I've been around guys that, that tend to kind of get lost in it. Um, cause you know, when you're away from your family, you kind of, you kind of start getting a little distant from them and uh, you start doing your own thing when you're on the road and it's really easy to kind of spiral out of control. I mean, it could happen to a regular Joe Schmo like myself. It could damn sure happen to a guy like Ric Flair who's, you know, who's open to, to you know, whether it's women, alcohol, money, drugs, et cetera, et cetera. So that aspect of the documentary I enjoyed quite a bit. And I, I agree 100%, man. This definitely ties into the LaVar Ball situation because, you know, at what point does the character of LeVar, LeVar Barr start to, uh, you know, uh, infringe. infringe and take over LeVar Barr, the, uh, the regular man? I mean, that's, that's uh, so like, like you said, like you were saying, Ryan, you know, the uh, just looking at the possible melding of the Ric Flair situation, and the, the ball situation, I could definitely see things that, you know, that you would say are warning signs out there, especially when it deals with LiAngelo. Um, and a deal with how LeVar is handling the fame with his family. Um, so, again, like I said, I hope it doesn't delve into anything negative, too negative, and I hope maybe this is a uh, this is the point where maybe it changes for the Ball family, you know, for the better. Um, but other than that, we will talk to you guys next week. I do want to thank T, and I do want to thank uh, Ryan for coming on to the podcast. Uh, make sure that you check out the OSC Podcast Network on YouTube, and on uh, iTunes, on the podcast network for iTunes. And then always, as you know, as always, make sure you check us out on Twitter. Make sure you check us out on our YouTube page, uh, which should be updated, right? Yes. We have all the back catalog <laughs> uh, ready for YouTube. It we seems ju- like for the past gonna... six weeks I said our YouTube channel. <laughs> we're, you know, the computer that – so, I mean, just the computer that we were working on kind of hit the kinda fritz. Kind of died. Yeah, we, we kind of killed it, so we had to revive it. Yeah. Now that it has uh, been you know brought back to life again. We can rebuild it. Yeah, it took, it took six Benjamins to bring it back to Ooh. life. Uh, but Again, sponsors. Thank you very much for paying for that. <laughs> yeah, we had the. They slapped us with the fine, but now that now that that's back, we can finish up the whole catalog, kind of get us all up there. And all get right. Us up so we got that. a YouTube. We got the YouTube channel coming up to being completely updated. Um, and like I said, make sure you check us out on iTunes. Make you make sure you check us out on Buzzsprout, um, and make sure you check us out on the Crossover Radio. Um, but outside of that, we will talk to you guys next week. Don't forget uh, now that's Thunder Basketball website as well. Oh yeah, definitely. Don't don't forget about that. Um, it, I've kind of I, I've been very busy at my real jobs, and so I haven't been able to uh, update that as much as I would like. Uh, but coming up this next week, I will get back on my schedule and I'll be updating it as I have in the past. So make sure you check out now that's Thunder dot com. And with that, we will talk to you guys next week. You guys take care.
Have a good one.